RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. You may have seen on One News, uh, both on their website and I believe, though I missed the bulletin, on their network news bulletin last evening, the story of Sunia Shaf. And I'm going to read now from their story just so we know what's going on. The headline is Paramedic Sacked Over Jab Continued to Be the Face of St. John Campaigns. And the St. John Ambulance Service sacked a paramedic for refusing to get vaccinated during the COVID-19 pandemic, but then continued to use him in its campaigns and on its website. And that paramedic is Sunia Shaf, and he joins us on Reality Check Radio to kind of tell us the story. Sunia, thanks for coming on this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Okay, so number one question for me is, are you surprised this has made it to the mainstream news? Um... I'm kind of surprised, but not surprised, if you know what I mean, because um, none of this was my intention. I did not push for this to go fully public, but um, things, uh, you know, the universe works in mysterious ways, and things just happened, and and it, it's like a, someone uh, wrote um, the story, you know, in the heavens above, and, and made, made it happen the way it did, so um, it's worked out um, great for myself, and and for the exposure uh, for the story um, nationwide. Yeah, it sure has. And full credit to Liz Gunn. She interviewed you a couple of weeks ago. I only saw that uh, interview very recently on her free NZ site. Is that where the story kind of started and, and came out from there? Is that the origin of, of it getting too mainstream, do you think? Yes, yes. I think that was the starting catalyst um, for for um, heading towards um, mainstream media because... Um, I actually was re- recommended to her um, by another um, of our freedom um, people, and it's just you know uh, there's a big network that I've um, managed to um, to be a part of, um, just joining and participating in you know our freedom movements and and all that sort of stuff that we've been doing for the last couple of years, and um, that's how I met um, Liz and and just went straight on her um, show and and. Did, um interview off the block and from there we've just clicked and yeah and and from there actually my family was sharing out um the video on their social media and one of the um the tv news uh, journalist slash reporter um saw the video and told us um told us stuff that this is um this is uh, disgusting and unethical and and whatnot and she decided to um, make a story out of it and, and also let the rest of um, the country um, um, be aware of what's actually going on with this um, current situation, especially in these times with um, uh, ambulance shortages, um, people waiting for hours or being told they're not being sent an ambulance and they need to find their way to the hospital, even though they probably need a medical professional to attend them at the time. And I've been receiving texts from people that know me saying, we've just called an ambulance and, and they said that um, we'll be waiting for a few hours or um, we have to find our own way. And it's and they've told me it's for a certain or specific medical issue that probably needs to be attended straight, straight away. So um, it's appalling. Yeah, that's, that's uh, I mean, I want to get into the whole story of you, but um, that that's a very good point. Um, should St. John be making a statement about where their capacity and their ability to operate the service is right now? Because there's a lot of 
talk out there that just along the lines of what you've just said. And I don't think, unless I've missed something, St. John has come out and said anything definitive about why they are struggling so badly. Um, I don't follow what they come out with on the media or, or what they put out there. But however, um, obviously um, you'd expect that I still have friends in the service, right? So I, I just get real-time um, info from them. Okay, well, what, what are they saying, Sunia? What are they saying? Sorry? What are they telling you? What are they telling? Oh. What's the pro- oh. What are the problems? So this is this is the uh, most common thing that I'm getting back um, is is that um, there's not enough, not enough staff to man the um, the trucks. If someone calls them sick, um, obviously um, they don't have any backup for that, and then they're down one truck. And then then if someone, two people or three people call sick in Auckland alone. Um, you have a few trucks down. So uh, I'll give an example. One night shift, there's probably two or five trucks that are, are down because um, they're unmanned because there's no one to man them because they're either caught in sick or just not enough staff on that day or that night. Um, and in saying that, um, staff shortages, after you have your four-day rotation and you're on your days off, they're uh, getting bombarded every single day with... Um, Texas from Rosters asking if they can um, if they can do um, uh, overtime shifts um, to cover um, vehicles that are unmanned or they need to be covered. So they're getting burnt out. These guys right now are burnt out right now. If, if not, they're heading towards that way because there's not enough people manning the vehicles. So yeah, there is a staff shortage right now. Where does that shortage come from? Because I don't recall that being an issue talked about so much. You know, up till recently, there must be. A reason for the shortages have people decide on mass to leave the service or like you were, were they mandated out and was the service left short from that just trying to get to the bottom of it you know um a huge a chunk of the numbers that were mandated out were volunteers but they the volunteers make up a huge number of for the frontline ambulances in the rural areas because you know um, obviously, they didn't have the budget to um, man as many um, paid full-time officers in the rural area. They have made a big change now um, as a result because it was, un- it was unsafe to have a full-time paid officer alone, working alone. So, um, But um, I don't know. Um, I-, I believe it's made an um, uh, impact on the mandated workers, but also... Um, they haven't been meeting demands of um, recruiting more people into the service or increasing the numbers of ambulances. Um, it's not meeting the demand with the increase in population and and so on. Yeah. Here's the other side of that question. Are they being run off their feet because there are injuries? Injuries as in... You know what I mean. <laughs> oh, 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 yes, 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 I'm a feeler. Um, I don't know, man. Um, I don't want to speculate on that because, you know, uh, people are going to say, oh, well, he, he doesn't have any proof or uh, what he's saying is not factual because where's the proof? Show me. But, um, yeah, I think um, we can both agree that, um, yes, a lot of um, a lot of issues would um, arise well, well, I'll give you an example. We, we we know from leaked information, just so you know, in the Wellington area, that heart attacks have gone up, I think, 83%. Strokes have gone up over 40%. And everywhere you look, those sorts of things have 
have uh, skyrocketed compared to the normal base level. So that ends with people going to hospital in ambulances, right? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Hmm. Um, one way to to um, maybe give people a fair idea of what's actually going on is actually ask um, about their status, and you know what I'm talking about, because that will kind of um, give you a more in-depth idea of because um, these things weren't as common um, before the rollout. Um, especially from different ages as well. The age group is usually was well, the older age group, but now it's, it varies. You get even younger people having these medical events that it's like, what? we don't usually get this in this age group. Uh, even heart attacks, I mean, you don't usually get it with a younger age group. It's it's not really heard of. It's pretty rare. So, um, yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, what do you hear from, again, um, I, I mean, I'm not trying to drill you too hard, but we need to kind of understand the situation the best we can, given there's a vacuum of information, right? So we have to ask people who are sort of connected and might know and hear things. Your former colleagues that, you know, you keep in touch with or message you, um, yeah. what are they saying about that? Are they, are they talking about this phenomenon at all, if it is, in fact, a phenomenon? Yeah. Well, some people, there is some talks through the grapevine, and some others, you know, obviously you have to respect the, um, the Privacy Act with, you know, the, the certain jobs and what information gets um, spoken out about the jobs they attend. So if I'm being on, on here live, I, uh, I won't jeopardise getting anyone oh, fair into enough. trouble. Fair enough. Yeah, we don't want any individual. It's just, you know, what you hear in a bigger picture rather yeah. than specifics, you know. Just trying to join, yeah. to see if there are any dots to join here, you know. Well, in my opinion, a lot of um, a lot of those um, officers uh, would be pro pro jab, so um, some of them wouldn't even know any better anyway. So, so they wouldn't it wouldn't even occur to them. Is that is that what you're saying? Well, they'll, they'll know that it's um, unusual that um, they're going to these sort of jobs, and and it's more often, or it's like, oh, it's for first certain group that it's not usually um, common with. So I'm like, oh, they're not, hey, I would know straight away because I can put two and two together just pretty easy. But, um, yeah, yeah, well, they're deeply um, embedded into the whole system and um, I guess they're not thinking outside the box or having any sort of idea because they're biased towards what they've, you know, this whole rollout thing is um supposed to make things better and actually they probably believe that um, they're a lot safer because of it and or they would say oh it's a good thing that um, we're jabbed or you're jabbed because um, it could have been a lot worse. Even though there's no evidence at all to support any of that? Yeah. There's <laughs> yeah. no evidence to support. Alright, yeah, yeah. We, we know it's a clown world. Okay, so your story, um, it's a noble thing to do to be uh, is it a paramedic or uh, emergency medical technician? What, what's the accurate description of what you did? So, so it's funny you say that. Um, I'm a qualified emergency medical technician, right? But on paper, for the record, when they um, did the legal termination letters and the legal formal letters that um, of the action they, um, they were um, going to dismiss me, um, they recorded me as a paramedic. So um, actually, I truly believe that they put that heading for a reason or for a legal reason. But um, um, as, and what, uh, what what would that reason be? Why why would the um, that description 
um, be advantageous to them in a legal sense compared? Hey, um, yeah, man, I think I'm onto something because I think this can be used if I were to um, um, go through. Well, I am going through legal action with them, but I think this would make a really good case for them because every um, every ambulance officer in the service knows that um, whatever sort of um, rank or authority the practice that you have. Um, that's what you claim and you don't claim anything else different. So emergency medical technician, you have a paramedic and then you have intensive care paramedics. So um, there's, um, there's, there's no, um, what's the word? Um, so there's no mistake made, made by any um, ambulance officer or any ambo of what they are to be caught or known as. So for my bosses, to to um, refer to me as a paramedic on those legal documents that um, they're about to terminate me uh, has a significance significance to it. So um, and he knows he's been following my career the whole, all my years in the service, and they will never ever call me a paramedic in the service because I'm known as a an EMT. So so that so was I either, don't know. that was either a purposeful thing to do to yeah. give them some legal. Advantage yeah. or whatever, or yeah. they're incompetent. They don't, <laughs> they can't even remember no, what you are. Well, it's one or the other, right? No, 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 no. no it's not incompetent. It's never a mistake. It's yeah. never a mistake. Like I said, um, when you earn your patches and all that, um, you, there's no mistake given of what what sort of ranking you are. So it was purposely done. I can tell you that for sure, hundred percent. How does that so make far, you feel, knowing that um, that? You're kind of easily thrown under the bus, as it turns out. How did I feel? Yeah, well, you, you just mentioned that um, I, presumably you were talking about an individual who'd been following your career, knew about you, but was prepared to do this. That shows a uh, willful disregard for you, I would have thought. Yeah, I think um, I truly believe that um, maybe he developed some different uh, thoughts or feelings towards um, my stance or my circumstances or my situation. I have no idea. But um, during my time in the service, I've had no issues with this manager. No issues at all. We go along so well. He actually looked after me pretty well. If I needed anything done, he would make it happen. Wow. Um, he even told me himself in one of my performance reviews with him that um, I'm one of his easiest employees to manage because I manage myself really. I'm, that's how I, how good I am at my job, and I just turn up and do what I need to do. I keep out of trouble. Um, you know, I'm just keep my nose clean and just do good things. And he doesn't really need to deal with me at all unless I need anything. So, I mean, that's the kind of relationship I had with this person. So that's uh, it's incredible that someone can turn so quickly, and and but that's not yeah. uh, an uncommon story. Uh, we all know that. Let's go back into your your history a bit, and why you chose to be the emergency medical technician you became with St John. Um, was that an interest that you always had? I'm always interested to find out why people you know choose to do things. Ah, uh, I think. I've always been interested in that. I, I have no idea how I ended up there, but um, I think it just came down to uh, my traits as a person. Um, and at the time, I, I already knew a paramedic in the service who who said that um, I wouldn't 
do really well in the job and I'll, re- I'll make a really good um, a medic in the service. I mean, just for the um, what I have to offer, you know, with my, my life experience, my obviously diverse background, and just I guess I had um, some good traits and skills, skill sets, and head on my shoulders. So, and then I followed through, and um, and yeah, throughout my training on on the job training and everything like that in my career, um, I just started um, doing really well and excelling, and I realised that I'm I'm in the right place. I'm in the right place. So how long were you there before this happened? How long had you been in the ro- in the job, in the role, before all this you uh, know, crap came along? Uh, six years in the service. Okay, you must uh, have seen it. Four years full-time as a full-time. Four years, full, yeah, six yeah. years, four, four years full-time. You must have seen quite a few things over the time, over your time there with what you do. Hey? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That's the most common thing that's asked. And absolutely, um, the amount of things I've seen and dealt with, um, a lot of people or normal people will never ever see in their whole life. But, you know, and the gruesome stuff that um, yeah. I've dealt with. But, yeah. How do you deal yeah. with that, by the way, if you don't mind me? I, I, I'm not after specifics. That's private people's information. But, you know, how, how do you deal with, you know, some of the, the harder stuff? Uh, for me, is I guess it's just um, some people, um, their brains work differently. Um, uh, for me, I don't know, maybe because I'm rough around the edges. Of, you know, obviously, it, nothing was given to me um, growing up in life as a kid then throughout adulthood. So uh, I guess I, I built, a lot of res- built up a lot of resilience through the years, but also um, I have a really good understanding on, on how the the way of life, um, you know, the, the circle of life works, you know. Um, yeah. And then bad jobs that, that don't go well, um, you know, I just tell myself that I can only do what I can only do. And, and if I do my best, my best is enough. And and also in the medical sense, um, we, we, we're not gods. We can't just fix everything or bring everyone back. So um, as long as I'm content and happy with what I've done and just accept that it's just um, the circle of life and these things happen, um, yeah, that's the kind of mindset I have, but also at the same time, you um, being physically healthy and strong and well um, really um, contributes to having a strong um, a mental or a mentality or, you know, your mental health. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, there's a lot of things, but um, it's, this job is unique and it's not. For the average person. So when I first joined the service, one of the veterans, um, he he told me this, and he said, to be in the service of being an ambulance officer, you really need to have something wrong with you to actually fit this role or be. Right. So it's not for normal people, it's for people that kind of you know, you know what I mean. Um, there's something special about. Yeah, you know, yeah. No, I I think I, I get what you're saying there. That uh, yeah. that what you just said there. Okay, and your Tongan descent, right? Your Tongan background. I, I imagine there weren't too many Tongans in the ambulance service. Am I right? No. So uh, uh, my, I'm Tongan, Cook Island, uh, Japanese, German. So that's oh, well, there you what go. ones in my. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm fluent in speaking Tongan, and also my mother, she um, she's full Cook Island, and she speaks full Cook Island to us at home, or even up till now. So um, so I have. Um, the luxury of both languages, but um, 
while I was in the service, I did say that um, I never came across any other Tongan-speaking um, officers on the front line. And, you know, working all these years, you'll eventually know who's who, you know, from all the different watches. And I, I never, because um, that's all I would do is look out for another Polynesian, because obviously we're a huge minority in the service, and, and obviously we, um, it's great to see another one of um the same background or ethnicity, so I never um, came across any Tongans speaking Tongans. I did come across one or two Tongans on the front line, but they were um, like um, parts or had part Tongans, and they weren't actually uh, Tongan speaking, right? Or speaking Tongan. Well, that would have been a Tongan, that would have been a great asset to the service, I would imagine, especially because you're you're in Auckland, right? So, yeah. uh, so uh, it's obvious that you would have been a real asset. They must have known that. Of course they knew that. Um, countless jobs where I went, I attended where um, there were Tongan-speaking um, patients that um, actually spoke a little English. So it was a blessing that I actually was there to um, to actually help with that whole um, process and that experience and make it a lot easier. And also um, a lot easier to actually figure out how we can provide um, care for them or on the way to hospital as well because that language barrier is a huge thing. Also, uh, cultural awareness as well. So it's not just um, with just Tongan people. It's with the whole um, Tsimika people as well because um, there's a lot of cultural um, aspects. Um, you know, common, that are common, right? Yeah, yeah, that are common to to, to those folks. Yeah. So yeah. Ov- obviously yeah. that in the end didn't mean so much to them, which is incredible to, to think that, that they would let that slip away or, or willfully make it go away in, in the form of mandating you out. But they obviously realised that there was some value in, in showing your face and showcasing you. What is some sort of example of diversity in the force? I'm getting now to their use of your image. Yeah. They definitely need to tick the boxes. Um, and um, when the time I was mandated out, I was seeing some some advertising or something anyway online saying that um or stories saying that um they needed to focus more on the diversity within the service and maybe have more um managers that are um, of Maori or Pacifica descent to help, you know, represent those numbers to you know, obviously the representation of diversity within the management roles and then they're rolling out the new uh, ambulance designs with the Maori designs and all that. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Um, they're, they're promoting this, advertising this diversity thing, but they can't um, rehire back the, the what well, I believe I was the only Tongan-speaking frontline officer in Auckland anyway at the well, time. So, yeah, I was like... We'll get to that. We'll get to the, you know, the rehiring part of the story. Um, so they had you in their collateral. You were in videos and your image was on, what, their website and all of that. And here's the thing. They kept on using your image after they drop-kicked you out, right? Yes. Yes, without a doubt. Yep. I mean, how could anyone do that? <laughs> ask them. Ask them. No, I'd, I'd still, like to ask them. Maybe we'll try. I was still receiving texts from people saying, hey, look, I just come across this. Or, look, I just saw you over here sending me um, pictures of um, my images still being used. And even while I was down in Wellington, the Wellington protests, I was getting um, um, pictures of my um, images being used. Like, hey, look, 
uh, Steve. Yeah. How weird is that? Yeah. And how did that make you feel? Um, I, if it was me, I, I, I would have been mad as hell. How did you take that? Um, I was just like, oh, I actually had a, had a Google because I'm like, man, how how terrible is this situation right now? I'm just like, I can't even believe this is. I'm seeing this with my own eyes. Of, you know the the whole situation of me being mandated out, but they continue to um to happily use my image and my face for their benefit. Yeah, um, and, and they yeah. kind of tried to say that, uh, I think uh, somewhere in the story there, I'm just looking for the quote, but that, you know, they didn't pick it up in their marketing audit. Kind of been a very detailed audit, right? <laughs> Seems you're right front and centre yeah. of, of everything. <laughs> I, I think they, they didn't make an effort at all. They knew what they were doing. They're, these people, they're not dumb. They're not dumb. They they know what they're doing in the office. This is their career. This is, this is their job. This, they get they get paid good money to do what they're doing. So, I mean, the guys in the office. So they know what they're doing. So I wouldn't believe anything what they say. So the the liars, basically. I mean, you don't have to say that, but I can say yeah. that. I mean, what what else could it no, be? Yeah, okay. I wouldn't believe. I wouldn't believe that. So they 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 know. So, so how could any reasonable person then, this is a question for everyone, how could any reasonable person do what they did to you and the others? I think there are a total of 26 that got the boot through mandates. That's the figure I've seen. It, it, maybe it was more. It probably wasn't less. Maybe it was more. But they also, at the same time, um, decided to keep using your image. Now, you, you have to ask, what's going on, on in someone's head when they do that? I mean, any reasonable person would never do that, right? I don't know. You know, I I, I don't know how to answer that, but hey, there could be many probabilities. Um, maybe um, the spike the spike protein has got to the brain. <laughs> I don't know. No, well, something has. Otherwise, it's callous. So, you know. It's user. It's usury. <laughs> it's callous, and it's kind of immoral yeah. because. The the the, the, yeah. the two positions are so opposed to each other that any rational, reasonable person would see that in a nanosecond, and it would be a huge cringe to have this. And I bet they're cringing now to have this brought up in front of everybody because it's it it speaks to the kind of personal people you are, is what I'm thinking. Yeah, they they expose themselves really, and they should be cringing because um, they got caught. That's that's why they're cringing. They're like, they're sorry for themselves because they got caught out. That's why, and they they're gonna learn a, a huge lesson from this because they they're gonna make sure that this never ever happens again. And they definitely will be having a big board meeting after the um, the, the live um, my live um, appearance on the news tonight. They'll be having a board meeting tomorrow morning or sometime this week, um, addressing this whole matter to do with me anyway. So. You could just imagine yeah, the, the, the butt covering that'll be going on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like to be a fly on yeah. the wall in that one. Yeah. So I'm just I'm just sitting here just giggling and smiling about how, how much they shot themselves in their own foot. To... Were you ever paid for the use of your image or did you do that out of, you know, kindness that you're in the service, you want to help them promote it? Did they ever um, pay you for that, um, given that you... You know, you lost your job, and they carried on using it. That's billable, isn't it? That's um, that's billable. 
Yeah, well, I, I actually did it out of the kindness of my own heart um, because it's super for the charity, um, for the charity, for the cause. But also, um, I wanted to display and show, um, be a role model for other Pacifica and Māori people out there to, to say, hey, look, um, this could be a career option for you guys. If I can do it, I came from nothing. I came from nowhere to making something out of myself or making a career out of this. You guys can do it. So I wanted to see make that as an option because we ask most of the young kids these days, it would used to be, oh, I would want to be a fireman or I'll be a policeman. Not often would you hear, oh, I want to be a paramedic or I want to join the ambulance. It's not often you get that. Um, Pay-wise, though, um, I was just paid like my normal rate, like I would be on my 12-hour 12, 12 shift. It was just my normal hourly rate that they paid me for that day. So I didn't actually get um Paid, paid, because um, I remember going back on station and, and all that. My other work colleagues were like, hey, I hope you got paid for doing that gig. And, and I was like, oh, no, they're going to grill me for saying this. But I, I told them, or I did out of the kindness of my heart. And they just said, oh, you silly bugger, you got conned, and and, and really you sold yourself because you, you should have got paid for that. They, they got money. They can, they can afford it to pay. So I was getting grilled by my fellow colleagues, like most of them. Yeah, well, I think I think yeah. I think most of us listening understand why you would do that out of the goodness of your heart. Probably many of us would to support that service for the reasons that you just gave. But then, then yeah. to be sort of frog marched out of the place, and then to carry on using your images to promote themselves, that's going to have to cost them money, surely. Yeah, well, of course, it's going to cost them money. Huh? Is that, will that be part of any sort of legal stuff that you do, do you think? Yeah, I, I think so. I think so, yes. Okay, well, um, we'll, maybe. we'll watch that space, Sunia. We'll watch yeah. that space with interest. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of people who want to help out on that. Um, yeah. Let's get to how you were treated then and, 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 you know, which ultimately ended with you losing your job, being mandated out. When, when was the first kind of inkling that you got that this might not turn out so well for you in the service, like staying there? Uh, well, when when they announced that um that there was a deadline to uh, receive um, your jab or your first jab, once, um, you know, when the, the famous um, Jacinda Dern's um, interview on TV where the person asked, uh, will you be mandating um, any of our workers? You know, following suit with Australia, and she said, "No, we will not be." So when I heard that on TV on shift, I was like, "Okay, I'm safe. I'm safe." And then, yeah, when that announcement happened, um, it all happened really quick. All happened really quick, and um, we were just getting sent light emails or reminders. And then the next few emails were like, "Okay, they were trying to figure out who was who in the service." And then um, they made a compulsory where you had to. Um, within the electronic service to um, register your name or put down your status. So, And then from there, they had a fair idea of who was who. And obviously, they knew that um, my status was um, you know, obviously not jabs yet. So, um, and then throughout, I think, I can't remember the timeline, if it was a couple of months or so, um, it's they obviously started getting a bit more strict and heavy with the, the emails and communication towards me. I started receiving phone calls, yep. um, but they were like, um, the members are saying, oh, sorry, um, you don't have to answer this, but um, have you got jabbed yet? Like that sort of um, phone calls I was getting. 
They so, weren't asking um, about any other potential medical uh, or any other medical questions, just that one. So they were kind of yeah. violating your uh, your medical privacy even by, um, well, I mean, you may agree or disagree with that, but it, that's how I'd see it, by um, constantly being at you. Um, though you must have been thinking, oh, this I can see where this is heading now. Um, how did you prepare for what ultimately happened in the run-up to that? Well, first of all, I was um, trying to get uh, legal advice, but I was doing the right things at the time. I was sending emails to the right people in, um, in management saying, all right, um, I'm not saying no, but please provide me with all this information that I need to make an informed decision. And also, can you can you clarify with me, um, um, will you guys be liable if, um, if there were any adverse events to happen if I were to um, um, go ahead with this? And you know, um, they said no. So I said, well, please provide me with um, all these um, information that I requested that will help me make an informed decision. And they failed to do that. And that's why I was not able to, um, to go ahead with it because they failed to provide me with the right information that I needed or anyone needed, really. Yeah, and, and they're a medical service who should know about informed consent uh, right to their bones, right? They should know, they should yeah. fully understand more than anyone what that was all about. Yes, that's how we operate. That's um, it's a health code that we um, how we um, treat patients and how we um, obviously deal with them. If they don't want any sort of medical intervention or even don't want to go to hospital. Um, they um, they have every right to um, to say no, and we respect that. We have to respect that and and leave them where they are or let them be. So they thought that you, in your case, that they really didn't have to pro- provide that information, and what couldn't get it that you still had a problem with it. Is that how it was? Yeah, I still had a problem with it. The information that they did provide was just a link. It was the COVID-19, who knows, whatever link, but there wasn't actual science or proper information that um, I wanted as a medical professional to see, or I could base an uh, informed decision on it. Did, so, did, did you go I back like, to them and say, hey, this ain't good enough, this isn't good enough, you yeah, need to well, give, and what do they say to that? They, they, they just um, they just basically um deterred me or just either sent me to another person or gave me the silent treatment. That's it, because that was only the process that they knew was give this link and that's it. That's all we're going to do, because that's all they had available, which was ridiculous. Wow, that that's incredible. It's it's almost stunning, hard to believe. Okay, so then what? Um, the, the day comes and what, they send you an email or a letter saying you're terminated. Is that how it went? Yeah, so um, I think a few weeks before that, um, they released an internal email saying that um, people like myself and the unique situation is they will make an effort to redeploy us um, into areas that uh, won't require a jab, like, you know, let's just say that has no patient contacts or you're not in a crowded area. So, but um, I don't, I really believe that 
no one actually got benefit out of what they um, announced on that internal email because I, I requested to them, um, I, um, uh, can you give me any options that I have for redeployment? And they said, no, there's no current um, vacant um, options at the moment. So there was, there was nothing at all, but they put it on there just to tick the boxes to say, uh, in good faith, we made an effort for these guys. It was all show. It was all show. So they were constructing. Uh, they were constructing this all the way through. Let's not beat around the bush. They were constructing a whole kind of narrative or whatever you want to call it that covers their ass in the yeah, event that's of. What I believe. Yep. That's what I believe because there was no, no proof out there showing that actually I don't see anyone at all get um, redeployed at all, and all the people that got mandated they weren't given any of those options at all too when we we spoke with each other or when we met up in group chats or or we met down in parliament um yeah no one had got the option so i i knew to myself that yeah it was just all show what they written there so after that obviously we we got sent the letter um the letter of termination on the 16th of november and yeah it was that's it um you're, wow. you're done. There must um, have been a, there must have been a, a real blow, Sunia. That must have been a hell of a blow, was it, to you? Or we are you? Your resilience gets you through, right? Oh, yeah. I wasn't resilient at that time. I was really emotional. Yeah, so I, I definitely had tears in my eyes, and and um, I was feeling really deeply cut in my heart because I felt uh, betrayal by the people that I once. Um, represented uh, with my heart and soul but also I felt that they had my back while I was in the service as well that's you know until the the end the ending so turned out they didn't um, right you know, turned out they didn't have your back at all and they didn't have any of the no, they, f- folks in your situation um the the smart yeah. ones they didn't have any of your backs it's incredible yeah, yeah that's sad. that's the sad part about it and um also I'd like to add on to that um, the day I got mandated, um, the you know the people who I really was close in the service, or you know we've been to we had really good bonds, or we've been to a lot of big huge jobs together that you know obviously will bring us closer together because of what we we experienced and went through these these hard times or hard jobs. Um, I I really thought in my heart that they would um, message me when they found out or send me messages of support or anything. But, um, yeah, a lot of those guys, um, I ne- never heard from them or even received a, a text from them. It was people who I didn't expect to send me messages of support or, or saying sorry to hear about um, what's happened to me. Um, yeah, it was those people that I was surprised to see you know, a few of those um, texts and messages. Wow. Um, yeah. Find out who your friends are in that situation, I suppose. Yeah. How, yeah. how can you explain that? How, could, how, how do you explain the people that you've formed those bonds with? And I imagine, I mean, it's not war, but it's kind of that sort of situation. You're in very tough situations and, and only you guys know what those situations are like. You know, for the, we can only imagine just us folk who, who have never done that or ever sort of seen that what goes on and all of a sudden they can like flick a switch how do we explain that is that some kind of mental state that people get in do you think yeah i i truly believe because i think there's a um, little culture um well uh a little unofficial culture um that they have um you know 
with chats on stations about anti-vaxxers and you know a lot of them are pro-jab people so anyone who's heard of or been gossip about saying oh this guy's uh, anti-vax or said no to this um that's um that's um a lot of talk on station and they'll um yeah it gets around real quick so i guess maybe they had strong feelings about um people that um had um you're telling uh, me they were brainwashed sunia they were brainwashed basically let's be honest yeah yeah they're brainwashed because you, you know to me, um, I believe in my heart that they have really good hearts, um, you know, the way that they treat patients and, and carry out their jobs. But um, I guess, yeah, that brainwashing has um, got through to the head and, you know, even stopped them from sending me a simple text to say, I'm sorry that, you know, you, you lost your career, your job and everything. But um, we still support you and we still think about you. I did, however, receive some messages from some of my close mates that I've spent a lot of um, time on, on the front line with. And and I, I will never forget it because he said, um, you are, you're the man. You, you are an amazing um, ambulance officer. And, and he said, regardless, jab or not, um, we still love you. I, I, I do anyway. And um, yeah, we we're missing you right now. We wish you we wish you can come back. So that actually um, really lit my heart up, you know, in those really sad times. And I still remember today. And I actually been texting that guy today too because he obviously saw the he texted when he saw the um, the news tonight and um, he's asking me, oh, so will you come back or do you want to come back? <laughs> yeah, you know all those. I want to ask you about that. Are. I want to ask you about going back. It's interesting what you've just told me. Thank you for that. What about your management? Um, presumably, they, you know, you're a bit of a rock star to them. Otherwise, they wouldn't have used your image and promoted their organisation with your face and and who you are, your identity. What was yeah. the communication like with them, or was it just very? What, what distant? Just a, a letter or an email? Nothing yeah. too close. How very did that? Distant, how did that very, work? Very distant and very generic. So the emails that I was getting from the my my so-called um, boss, who I um, trusted and you know, had a good relationship, working relationship with him, um, it was very generic. There was no, you can tell, there was no emotions or human factor to these emails. So. I guess it was pre-written, or and it's it's like um, everything that happened to me was already predetermined before you know um, I actually got the letter of termination. So they were building all this and making sure that legally that they um tightened everything up so they can't get into trouble after um, I've been terminated to you know make sure they cover the asses. But yeah, it was very generic. Um, he did maybe text or try to call me. No, he actually tried to call me maybe once or twice, maybe a, a week after or so. I don't know what it was, but I was like, why is he trying to call me now? You know, is it because um, he wanted me to do some other stuff before I, I left? Or uh, like he could have easily text me, but I guess he wouldn't want to text me because it would be on the record, anything he sends to my phone. So I guess he was being very careful as well. So, yeah. So, so what you're, you're um, basically saying is there is obviously fear involved here. People were worried about... Um, their, their own jobs, obviously, and anything that looked like any sympathy could that put them in peril with what whoever was higher up above them. Yep. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, I have no idea what's going on with his situation, but like, um, you know, um, if I were to cross paths with him, <laughs> I don't know what the reaction would be because I obviously 
uh, truly believe that he might have something against me now. But uh, I'll look at him, but um, I'll be the bigger man to say, hey, hey, man, let's talk as uh, mature adults and let's sit down and tell me what's going on or what's 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 gone wrong. Why have you, know, why have you turned your back on me or what's what's happening? Like, And I'll tell him my side of the story as well. You know, I was just a man trying to fight for my career. But, you know... Yeah, that's all I was doing. That'd be and an interesting. So. That, that'd be an interesting conversation, Sunia. That would be a very interesting conversation, indeed. Okay, so now you know all this has passed now. Well, well, it sort of has, but uh, the whole you know there was no reason for mandating you out. It was all BS. But let's say people now have sort of got past that. But there are staff shortages. Uh, talented, trained people are in more demand than ever. It would be a no-brainer, I would have thought, if you could swallow your pride and admit that you had screwed up epically, not to mention using your image. They weren't so bright there, weren't so smart in covering their asses there, Sunia. They carried on using your image. Yeah. That's really dumb. But anyway, we know about that. So you want to go? You you still want to go back. I know that you said that in the story. So what sort of attempts have you been making to try and get back into that uh, job into that career again, and 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 what sort of reaction have you had from St John? Well, obviously, I reapplied for my role as soon as they dropped the internal um, um, policy. I wouldn't call it a mandate because it was no longer mandate; it was just a, a St John policy that they chose to keep on. Um, so, have I you had any explanation? For, sorry to jump in, but have you had any explanation from anyone as to why they're carrying this on? I mean, every other part of society isn't carrying this on. I see ambulances go past my house every day. Quite a few of them, I've got to say. Many times, I notice the people driving the ambulance are still wearing bloody masks. Yeah, hey, they, that's a procedure they want to follow through with the, well, what the hospital is doing right now. Hey, um, I, we all know about how effective the masks are, you know, the surgical ones. They're not really effective at all. We know that. But I think it's a guideline and, and a rule that they're following because someone high up on the round table has, has said that this is just what has to be done. And if you don't abide or adhere to these rules, um, you're going to be disciplined or, you, you know, we're going to... Um, you obviously going to get fired. Yeah, but it's like but saying I, 2 plus 2 equals 5. Everyone knows it's 4, yet um, that's no excuse for trying to persuade everyone that it's not. It's 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 kind of crazy that you'd carry on with that unless you could never admit you were wrong, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, so what, what, sort, of, um, what sort of communication have you had regarding... Um, getting your job back. I believe they, they tried to say that you were now technically not qualified. Is that is that the case? And that was a sort of like one yeah. of the reasons they used for sort of pushing you away again. So first of all, they they sent an email, internal email to the, all the current employees and I was passed on to myself by my, my close friend. And he said, look, um, we can celebrate now. You can come back, come back to work. So yeah, I reapplied. I think it was around mid September, but I um I applied around um, early or mid October because during that time of uh, September, I was trying to actually physically call a manager, recruitment, or anything. But um, I just wasn't able to get through. I left phone messages and all that, and no one got back to me. So um, it was I don't know if they were doing it on purpose or what not. Um, 
But um, when I finally did get through, um, it took a month or two or even longer to um, get back to me to say that um, I was unsuccessful. I didn't even make it through the, the first phase. And what was um, the reasoning for that? that? What, what was the reasoning for that? Because obviously they knew your experience, they, they knew your body what? of work, and what? they'd willingly used your image to promote themselves. So they knew all that. They knew all that. Um, they actually did not give me um, an explanation at all. They just said, your, your application unsuccessful. We wish you all the best uh, for, for, for the future. Thank you for uh, reapplying or applying with us. And um, I sent an um, email response saying, um, can you please uh, um, disclose me what your reasoning is for not um, accepting my application? And then they said, um, it's because I did not have an authority of practice or my EMT um, level um, qualifications or however you want to put it. So I was not operational to be um, hired. So, so they're saying that that, that your your the qualification you had when you were in the job had lapsed. Is that is that what they were saying? Yeah. So it's not well, as I if you, like that, yeah. you you were not qualified, just lapsed, and that would have been so easy to bring it back up to yeah. current, right? Absolutely. And um, I said, okay, what do I need to do to get my EMT qualification or my authority to practice back? And um, I see one of um the managers or the big managers in Auckland. And he responded um, with, uh, you need to be employed. Okay, so that, that makes it impossible. You can't be employed unless you're qualified, and you can't be qualified unless you're employed. Yes. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, these guys are at Einstein level, aren't they? Jeez. That's a big circus. That's a big circus. Oh, my God, honestly. Oh, I can't believe it, eh? I can't believe it. There's that clown world expression that I like to use comes back into it then. All right. So now I'm wondering, since the publicity surrounding your story kicked off by Liz Gunn a few weeks ago, now at um, you know the top of the mainstream news Sunday night on One News, um, have you had any other communication? Has there been – are they doing damage control? How's that working? Um, they're staying very silent with me right now. Um, but before that, before the Liz Gunn um, interview, um, I actually have a lawyer who's actually already sent them um, a legal letter um, regarding the Privacy Act of them actually releasing all my um, information, my um, personnel information, and also request to um, uh, for explanation, full explanation of um, why they haven't um, um, rehired me and and a few other things. Yeah. Um, and their response, it took them a while to respond back. And um, when they did uh, finally re- um, respond, they actually failed to address a uh, few things that were requested about a full explanation of why they uh, did not rehire me or some of the reasons. So um, they're obviously avoiding a few things, and, and obviously they have um, nothing that they can come up with to, um, to honour that um, request. So they're um, running around, probably figuring out uh, how can we um, get out of this, or could ourselves out of this mess they've created themselves. Yeah, well, the, the question everyone's asking now, I would imagine, like me, is are these people actually competent enough even to run an ambulance service? Really? I mean, the, the service is in, in a bad state, it seems. Don't know how bad, but, you know, we hear the reports and the anecdotals. Uh, are, are these, uh, you don't have to answer this, but we have to ask the question, are these people competent even running a bloody ambulance service? 
Well, um, coming from a former uh, frontline perspective, to start off with, the all paramedics, uh, frontline officers, um, operational officers are all underpaid. That's that's probably a good starting point. Give them um, give them what they deserve to be paid because they're undervalued and overworked. What about the management? How well how well do the management pay themselves? Do you know? I'm pretty sure they they they're looked after, especially the ones on the round table. Um, from this is from um, this is from conversations you know on station with you know other colleagues that have been there for many many years. But um, yeah, that's that's a good starting point. And, and if the management was good or the system was good, um, these frontline officers will be paying will be, would would have been paid or what they actually deserve. Have, have you spoken to others who are mandated out who are trying to get back in as well? Have you communicated with them? Are they getting the same kind of um, um, yes, engagement or lack of it? Very similar to mine. Of, um, one that just actually recently got a job back. Uh, well, I'm not going to disclose much of the information because it'll be very easy for her to be um, picked out. No, we, but, we, um, we don't want to know. We just want to know about, you know, yeah, 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 no, but, um, generic, she, yeah. She she had a lot of issues um, getting back and, and a lot of troubles, so that's all I'm going to say. Um, and she persevered through, um, and she got there in the end. But, um, I mean, what happened to her and the way they treated her, um, man, if she were to bring it um, to light in the media sense, um, I think the general public will be disgusted of the way that she was treated. This, so, this yeah, is I mean, a similar. She's obviously now, so we don't want to jeopardize no, no, career don't. or job now. We absolutely we yeah. do we don't. But this is this is kind of um, a stuck record. This, I mean, you've had your variation of it, and it's really interesting sort of chain of events there. But most people have experienced this heartlessness, you know, this attitude of non-caring, just thrown under a bus. It's very disturbing. Yeah. To know that uh, humans can be like that more, to other humans. I would have to say um, that um, also I'm hearing stories from, you know, from other people around the country and within the service, uh, the mandated area anyway, that um, there's uh, some some indirect or um, low-key form of um, discrimination against um, uh, them by um, station managers or, or some other management people saying that um, one of them I heard was um, that as long as I'm on working here or um, manager of, of this area, um, I will not have any unvaccinated um, or unjab um, um, ambulance officers. You know, well, if I was running the show, me. that person would have their job um, terminated at the end of the day. Gone. Clear out your desk. Yeah. Get the hell out. We don't want you. Um, that would be me. Lucky I'm not running the show. Um, I oh, I wonder also if you do get back in, and I'm picking that you probably will. They're going to run for the hills over this. Um, it's very embarrassing for them, and we know what happens when media light gets, uh, you know, the, the sunshine comes on these things, that, that uh, everyone runs for cover and they'll do what they need to do to preserve themselves. So you can probably find that you'll get some engagement soon, I'm picking. But if you get back into the service, you're going to have to anticipate some difficult situations, difficult relationships, because there'll be people in there who, well, resent the stand that you took or are envious of you that you stood up for yourself when they didn't, and they won't like that. So if you do get back in, how do you plan to sort of slip back in and and sort of try and have a, a normal working relationship with 
many people who might look at you in a particular way? Ah, uh, man, it's it's one hundred percent going to happen, and I would expect it, and I wouldn't expect anything less because I know how toxic um, that environment um, can be, especially towards um, people who they will class as or label them as anti-vax, and I know that label is already on my head already. I mean, it's a yeah, meaningless. It's a that, meaningless. You know, it's a meaningless label. It means yes. nothing. It's it's got nothing in it. It's it's wearing no clothes at all, my friend. <laughs> I know, and I just laugh because I'm like, hey, I've received, I've received, received all jabs since I was a baby up to an adulthood. Um, yeah, so you can't really call me anti-vaxxer. I've, I've been jabbed to the hills um, you know, since I was a kid. I mean, it's just the way I was brought up. But, um, you know, obviously I, I talk a bit of time and a bit of critical thinking about this um, one particular thing that uh, was new and untested. So, uh, yeah, they can, they can think what they want, but um, the at the end of the day, um, I will just go there. I'll turn up and do what I'm, what I'm there to do, um, and also I'll just smile. Like I think that's the only way I can combat any sort of um, attitude or looks or anything that I may come across. Is I just smile and just carry on. Like I'm not. I just tell myself I'm not there to make friends with any of them. I'm I'm there because I, I love the interaction with patients and 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 I love what I actually do. I love the challenge. I love. Um, what the job offers me um but um eventually um i guess you know the walls will be broken down eventually and people will kind of kind of see my side um, hey, of um yeah. my st- the story yeah what what a story what a ride man well thank you so much for coming on reality check radio and, and giving us your story and uh, i wish you all the best i'm sure our all our listeners wish you the best and you are a hero, mate. I mean, I'm not, you know, peeing in your pocket. You're a hero. You stood up for your principles. You did what was right. Um, I think we can all agree on that. You paid the price. And I just hope that, you know, it's made right somehow for you. So thanks again for coming on, telling us the story. All the best to you. And we'll, we'll follow it with interest. We'll see what the aftermath is uh, now that this is like mainstream. Because that makes a big difference when things get in the mainstream, people really take notice, and that's the battle that, that we fight every day. So um, uh, thanks again for coming on the program. Sunia Shaf, really appreciate it. Thank you so much, and much love to you guys all. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.